Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Tom Peavy and Brooks Childress with me as we try to dodge some rain here, hoping to get Thunder Chicken softball in later tonight. But we have a fun show planned for you in the meantime as we'll hit on a lot of different topics today, including the return of Jarquez Hunter to practice. Of course, we'll have some thoughts about that. That's something that a lot of people have wondered about all summer long. And we got part of our answer today with Jarquez returning to practice. Talk a little bit about... Uh, some various topics in the sports world, including and we'll talk a little bit about Auburn's. Uh, there's an article done yesterday by Cole Pinks and Vaughn Three talking about some of the weight changes, some of the notable players uh, between 2022 and 23. So we'll try to hit on that. We will talk about conference realignment some more. We were not able to get to that yesterday. So we'll talk a little bit about the ACC uh, and their ploy, or at least their uh, their engagements in the idea of adding two very interesting teams that are notably not on the Atlantic coast. Talk a little bit about that. Today is Ole Miss preview day. So in the five o'clock hour, we will preview Ole Miss football. We previewed Arkansas yesterday as we continue to work our way, previewing all the SEC teams before the season starts. As always, birthdays in sports, a nightly TV guy, and also a sports call five at five. That one will be Atlanta Braves based today. So a lot of fun things for you on this Tuesday edition of the show. Ryan Brooks and Tom with you here on this Tuesday. And Tom, we were talking before the show. Hey, I hope you're doing well yeah. today. But uh, trying trying to make it a perfect regular season in terms of no rainouts and our first real challenger. At the very end of the season, it's uh, pouring south of us, but I think we're only going to get a little rain here, and I'm still optimistic for tonight. Yeah, optimistic. Severe thunderstorms down towards Troy and all that area, but they're moving east. Um, it looks like we're – I mean, it was raining uh, outside the studio when I got here, but it was very light sprinkles. And, yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, we've uh, we've definitely been able to dodge the rain this season so far, unlike the last two years where it seemed like it just drug on and on and on because – it, it really for the last couple of years it felt like every other weekend we would get rained out and we were finally finishing up it was like almost ready to start football season when we were finally finishing up but we've dodged it so far this time but uh yeah i mean it's it's pretty nasty outside but we'll see if maybe we can catch that little window that kind of avoids the softball complex which is right behind our studios here and, uh, of course, as you said, uh, a lot of uh, rain out there to our south, but should stay to our south. Get a shower or two, but as long as that passes through in a timely manner, we should be good to go and excited about our last regular season week tonight. Also, Brooks Childress on the show this afternoon. Brooks, how are you? I am great. My first time on the show this week, um, and I had a good weekend Friday night. 
uh, went out to Food Truck Friday down at Opelika. Ran into some people that I know. Maybe me. One of, yeah, maybe one of them sitting across from me. <laughs> uh, and and also former uh, host of the program JJ Jackson was out there too. So ran into and, and former. Uh, uh, intern on the show Noah Gardner, former co-host Christian Page. It was just like a sports call reunion out there. Most at of Food it, unpl- well, some of it planned. And then Austin yeah. Scott, he, yeah, he that was, was unplanned. That, that was, was cool. unpl- so there was. It was like a sports call reunion at Food Truck Friday. And I know you, Ryan, you had said earlier that y'all were going down there, but I was like, oh, you know, there's a lot of people down there. Who knows if I'll run into y'all? And then boom, we we ran into y'all, and it was it was fun. Uh, this is the second time me and uh, Grace have gone out to Food Truck Friday, and it's you know been great both times. Had some great food. Some local uh, food uh, food trucks out there. It's uh, always delicious. Um, and then this weekend, uh, went and saw the Barbie movie with uh, with Grace, and uh, that was it was good. I enjoyed my time there. Um, and then yeah, uh, watched a little bit of Braves baseball. Unfortunately, the Braves are a little bit of a slide right now. Again. but. But you're still, you know, you still got a few games here in Pittsburgh to pick things up before you get back home, or well, before you head to the, yeah, the New York Mets this weekend. I think this is the longest road trip of the season between the Cubs, the Pirates, and the Mets. Um, when you add them all up, because you got four at the Pirates and you've got four uh, with the Mets, because you got a rain out earlier in the season, so you got a doubleheader this weekend. But yeah, hopefully the Braves can get things back on track. Can't wait to talk a little bit about that. Can't wait to dive back into college football because. We're right here. It's right around the corner. We're, we're so close to week zero and uh, close to week one as well. And can't wait to talk about all that. Can't wait to get to all of our callers. And uh, hopefully we play some Thunder Chicken softball tonight. And rain kind of kind of moves out of here quickly and we get those fields dried. Yeah, and uh, look, uh, we're about 18 days away from week zero there. Uh, that's Saturday, August 26th. And then do the math, add seven more to the first Auburn game. So 25 days away. So coming up here very shortly and we're very excited about it of course a couple other topics we want to hit on in the sports world today throughout the show we will hit on that baltimore orioles broadcaster and and that fiasco going on with the orioles so we'll probably have a few thoughts about that and also going to get to a auburn tradition that returns we'll tell you about that in just a moment Uh, but first let's start auburn with jarquez hunter uh, he was at practice today. Well, we have pictures of it. We saw it. That's definitely number 27. He's out there. Uh, and Jarquez Hunter has returned to practice. No comments at this time from coaching staff. That was not a part of the availability today. It was not a part of the schedule. I'm not exactly sure the next time Hugh Freeze will speak to the media, if it's later this week or if it's next week. But uh, I'm sure the next time that Hugh Freeze uh, will be speaking, he will certainly be asked about it. Uh, So we don't have the further details on if there is going to be some sort of suspension at some point uh, to start the year or that sort of thing. But again, if you were worried about the absolute worst, if you were thinking that he was possibly going to be off the team or miss all fall practice long, those quells can be or those concerns can be quelled right now as uh, Jarquez Hunter was back at practice. Again, guys, we don't know everything we need to know to make a fair assumption or conclusion on his availability for week one but uh, certainly a positive sign that Jarquez is back out there and now the running back room is whole yeah I mean no matter you know we've talked about uh I'm not I wouldn't say nightmare scenarios but it would be a a emergency scenarios throughout this whole process if Jarquez was not available to come back uh, what the running back room looked like. There's there's talent there. there and, you know, we heard from yesterday 
uh, OC uh, Philip Montgomery talked about that talent in that uh, that running back room that it was they've they've got a solid group in there and he said it it's uh you know he's he's really encouraged by what he's seen and in, in this early on but yeah getting your number one running back back at at least back at practice is a positive sign like you said Ryan we don't know if there's uh, some sort of uh, suspension still coming uh, for for game wise maybe he maybe this was the suspension maybe he served it by missing practices and missing team activities and now he's back uh, uh, for going forward we won't know really until you get to that game uh, unless Q freeze or uh, somebody says it and there's an official announcement but up until this point that everybody's been pretty pretty mum about what what's actually been going on we know at media days it was we you know can't comment on a university investigation uh, last week when you opened up fall camp you freeze said uh, won't comment on team issues they're handled internally and so we may you know it, it may not come out he may be asked at his next uh, whatever his next media availability is um, but it may not you may not it may still be a no answer you may still be like I you know say it like you did the other day you know I appreciate you asking the question I know it's got to be asked but we handle stuff internally um, and so we may never you know if if we see Jarquez out there for that first game against UMass we may not know we we may you know have to put pieces together that said all right well that was a suspension or if he's not out there for that first game uh, you know, we'll, we'll say, all right, well, this must be the suspension. You may have to place the puzzle pieces yourself instead of just having the answers handed to you. Uh, but it's it's a positive sign. You get your number one running back in the back into the room, um, and, and it's a strong running back room, one of the stronger in the conference, I believe, uh, going into this year. And when you you add a guy like Jarquez back in there, and they, there's like I said, there's a ton of talent there. But when you add a number one guy that's got a lot of game reps at the SEC level, like Jarquez does, that adds another uh, back another layer to that running back room. So it's it's a positive sign for Auburn football that he's back on that on the practice field. Again, if you missed the first part of that conversation because there was another severe thunderstorm warning in the area, if you're listening live on the radio, I thought you were going to go because uh, I talked too long. No, 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 <laughs> not no. I'm the one guilty of talking too long sometimes. Um, again, Jarquez Hunter was back at practice. Uh, he was fully dressed. He was participating. Photo evidence of that being the case. And so, again, we can't be sure on if there's going to be something coming in terms of a game suspension or something like that further down the line. But he was back at practice. Uh, a huge crisis averted there. And so Jarquez Hunter back in that running back room. We had just heard from offensive coordinator Philip Montgomery yesterday about some of the – uh, I mean, look, again, they're always positive, so I can't always tell you that there's a, a lot of importance in what was said. But when he was talking about the running uh, running back room, there was a lot of mentions or hints at more of a by-committee approach, which to me, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't talk about this yesterday. Like, it didn't seem like it was, like, the best thing ever uh, to hear when Jarquez Hunter was still not present. But now the very next day he's present. So, of course, we don't have to think too much about that. But – I think clearly, as you see with up-tempo offenses a lot of the time, uh, this is not going to be a situation, I don't think, where they just say one back gets 30 to 35 carries, one gets five, and the other gets two, and that's that. I'm not saying it's purely 50-50 or 33-33-33, but I I think Jarquez will get the most uh, carries on this team. It's not a hot take, but I don't think it will be a – if you're reading into the comments from Phil Montgomery yesterday, I don't think it'll be a wide chasm necessarily between one and two if someone is able to be productive yeah. behind him. Yeah, I I would not imagine that this staff will use Jarquez in the way that 
Malzahn and those guys use like uh, on Johnson or Trey Mason. Now I don't know. Now if you get hot, see that's the other thing. It's sure. hot, you know, with with a guy like Trey Mason and on Johnson, those guys would get so hot that it was hard to take them off the field because I mean they were just churning out yards. And then at the end of the day, you're like. Why did we make that dude carry the ball that many times and run him into the dirt? Well, I mean, he's seven yards every he's time. He's picking up seven, <laughs> uh, seven yards every time he touches the ball. You can't just not do that. So there is that. I mean, I'm, so I'm sure if Jarquez do is just rolling with it, then whatever. But you have options, and that's the good thing. Uh, it, you have the depth there at running back, and so there are options. Yes, Jarquez, if he is if he is fully cleared and ready to go, he is going to take the majority of the carries. But you have other guys there that can come in and give him a breather, guys that can come in there and also carry the ball quite a bit. Maybe even situations that you've got two guys in there at a time. You know, I don't know the full sets on what they're going to run. Nobody knows. Uh, you know, we don't really fully know what Philip Montgomery has up his sleeve as offensive coordinator. You may have two back, two backs at a time. We we just don't know. But the thing is, you have options. It's, it was not a situation where it's like. Oh my gosh! If we don't have Jarquez, then we're not going to win any games. I mean, no. There, there are options there. Demari Austin's great. I've heard great things about uh, Brian Batty. I mean, there's options there. Sure, absolutely. Again, that running back room is going to get pretty deep. Uh, of course, even Jeremiah Cobb mentioned now as a true freshman, right. he will have yep. work to do to get up there. Uh, what was it? I think Sean Jackson was even singled out by coaches today as having a quote beastly day or something like that. So, uh, look, there's going to be plenty of options. I think that is the good thing, and that's also why I wanted to talk people off the proverbial ledge there. If Jarquez is going to miss a game or two, well, again, we know that early in the season is again a team in UMass that just should never threaten a team like Auburn. A team in Cal where Auburn needs to be good enough in other areas to not have to worry about who 1A, 1B, 1C is in the running back room. And then a Sanford team, again, at the FCS level in Game 3. So if you're truly worried about still a potential game or two suspension for Jarquez Hunter, which, again, I'm now less worried about that at this time, uh, look, the running back room still had accomplished guys, talented guys in it. And I think the bigger story in that Cal game, especially if you're looking to the first, you know, real game, first game you have to have to execute some stuff in, you know, I think you're going to be so focused on the quarterback and wide receiver play that you're going to uh, maybe not notice the running backs as much. Of course, that could be a big pick-me-up if quarterbacks are struggling, but again, I think that game is more about the first real chance to see if Peyton Thorne wins the job or of an improved Robbie Asher, that sort of thing. So, uh, But uh, again, the point is uh, Jarquest Hunter is back at practice. He practiced for the first time this fall today. Again, no uh, no updates from coaching staff at this time on, on that or if there's anything in the future that will be a punishment or if the punishment is already served, the issue already handled with. Hopefully the next time Hugh Freeze takes the podium, we will hear that. But Jarquest Hunter back at practice today for Auburn. We're going to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we'll get the birthdays in sport. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. <laughs> we 
Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Eby, and Brooks Shoulders with you on this Tuesday. Do you want a thought that I have almost every time we bring it back from break? Yeah, always. One of these days, I'm going to accidentally call sports call Sports Center. <laughs> that, that, that's on my mind on a near daily basis now. But if it's on your mind, that means you're not going to do it. It's gonna, that it's the day you don't think about it. You're like, welcome back to Sports Center. <laughs> I mean, who knows? They, they have laid so many people off at, at, at ESPN. This, this might become something more. Um, Ba-na-na. But uh, yeah, no, that crosses my, my mind every single time that I'm just going to miss, misspeak. And, and yeah, you're right. To this point, it has proven effective in, in not doing that. But uh, you never know when the dam will break and, uh, accidents happen, that sort of thing. All right, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. All right, birthdays and sports today. We've got Ken Dryden, who turned 76, former NHL goalie and member of Canadian Parliament. Dryden, hey. uh, Dryden was born in Ontario and began playing youth hockey at a young age, drafted 14th overall in the 1964 NHL draft by the Boston Bruins, but was traded to the Montreal Canadiens on draft night. Didn't begin playing until 1971, however, because he went to Cornell Go big red. to pursue a law degree. In 1971, he joined the Canadians, only played seven full seasons in the NHL due to a late start, and taking off the 1979 season to practice law. But in those seven seasons, six-time Stanley Cup champion. Six out of seven is pretty good. Five-time the Enza Cup winner is the best goalie in the NHL. That's pretty good. One-time Conn Smith Trophy as a playoff MVP. After his playing career, he entered politics and spent eight years as a member of Canadian Parliament. Ken Dryden, 76. How about that? So, yeah. so in Canada, I couldn't find a high school for him. I, I think he actually did his undergrad at Cornell. From what I understood, his law degree, he went to uh, McGill University in Canada for a law degree, and that would be Go Redbirds. Oh, I was going to say Yellow Jackets, like the high school mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, McGill University Redbirds. He also played uh, junior league for the Itibicoke uh, Indians. I thought you were going to say the Itsy Bitsy Itibicoke Indians of the Metro Junior B League and the Humber Valley Packers of the Metro Toronto League. So there you go. All right. So a lot of different things well going on there early on. Can't find high school, but by gosh, I'll find you everything find you else. You yeah. find something. I got more stuff on this next one, too. Do you, do you know what the, the Canadian Parliament mascot is? No. They have a mascot? I, I was just asking. If is you it found a maple it. leaf? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, Roger Federer turns 42, retired tennis pro. Federer was born in Switzerland. Began competing on the junior tennis circuit at age 14 in 1996. Two years later, he was competing at the pro level. Played at that level for 24 years. Over that time, became one of the best male players of all time. Won 20 Grand Slam titles. 
over 103, or excuse me, 103 overall titles, second most in the modern era. He is third all time in career earnings. So obviously, he played his first junior match at 14, like you said, which means that he was already high school, college. That's not a thing sure. when it comes to tennis. However, he is from Basel, Switzerland, but he speaks. Swiss German, Standard German, English, French, Italian, and some Swedish. So five to six languages there. Yes. I barely know one. I barely, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I do good to get through my my English. Yeah. That's but, impressive. Yeah. That's a nice fact there. Roger Federer, 42 today. Danilo Gallinari is 35, forward for the Washington Wizards. Gallinari was born in Italy and began playing professional basketball at the age of 16. Four. Four. Go ahead. Castle Pustalingo. Yes. Yes. Castle Pustalingo from 04 to 05. Sure. And then he went to Edemus Pavia 05 to 06 and Olympia Milano 06 to 08. Good for you for trying. I would be too, too scared to try some <laughs> of those names. Four, played those four years in Italy, winning MVP once, was drafted sixth overall by the Knicks in 2008. He was bounced around the league, but uh, making his mark as a solid shooter from the forward spot. Danilo Gallinari is 35 today. And Aja Wilson is 27. Forward for the Las Vegas Aces. Wilson was born in Columbia, South Carolina, and played basketball at South Carolina. Let's go Gamecocks. For Don Staley, she spent four years at South Carolina, was one of the best players in college basketball, four-time All-SEC selection, three-time SEC Player of the Year, and three-time All-American one-time National Player of the Year and National Champion. She graduated from South Carolina in 2018, was drafted first overall by the Aces, where she's played her entire WNBA career. Five-time All-Star, three-time All-WNBA selection, and two-time MVP and one-time WNBA champion. All right. And I finally get a high school here out of all these birthdays. <laughs> so before her time at South Carolina, she was at Heathwood Hall. Yes. Heathwood Hall. Episcopal. There it is. In Columbia, South Carolina. Go Highlanders. Okay. Highlanders. Keith Wood Highlanders. Highlanders for our one and done. Yeah. Put some alliteration there. So, Aja Wilson is 27 today, and those are the birthdays in sports. Aja Wilson, 27. Danilo Gallinari, 35. Roger Federer, 42. Ken Dryden, 76. Episcopal is one of those that's difficult to say because you don't get a lot of words with an EP. It's usually an ES, so it's S. Yeah. You, you always automatically want to go to an S, ES, and not an EP. The only, yeah, Episcopal. that's true. Uh, the only other EP word I thought of when you were saying that is epicenter. Um, yeah. and episode, episode, episode uh, epicenter. Episode, yeah. There's a couple, Epic. but. All right, Brooks, so don't need to show off over there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Again, Epiderm- I, barely, Epiderm- I barely know one language. Oh, so epidermis. Oh. <laughs> Epidermal. That's the same thing, basically. Yeah. Eh. It means There's different words. Yeah. Through the top of the skin. Epidemic. No. Okay. All right. So uh, today on vocab show, <laughs> uh, vocab call. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so before we take our last or our next break of our number one, again, uh, teased a little bit uh, as we were uh, just before we talked Jarquez Hunter. But uh, there was some pretty cool news, too, out of Auburn today that uh, kind of relates to the football team, but also relates to far more than just the football team. And that is that Auburn announced today that for the first time since these trees were planted in 2017, Tumor's Corner can be rolled again. Both trees have made, or quote, both trees have made excellent progress since planting took place six years ago and are now considered to have recovered from transplant stress. 
So uh, the all the trees may be rolled now. Uh, we are good to go down there at Toomer's Corner. Hopefully there are many wins to celebrate. Of course, it does not always have to be a football win, but that's when uh, obviously the highest volume of rolling takes place. And so I got mine. Do you guys have a favorite memory of rolling Toomer's Corner? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, my my absolute favorite rolling of the corner was after the the national championship game because I I watched the 2010 championship game from Skybar, okay. and I was part of that crowd that was running when Brent Musburger they cut to the picture of the crowd running down the street to Tumors. I was in the middle of that. That was epic. Um, but I also was there for the uh, the final roll um, before they took the trees out, and and that was that was special for a whole different reason because it was the last time it was going to happen for those trees, and you know it was it was kind of like a funeral for those trees is basically what that felt like. Sure. So I've seen the like just the pinnacle of excitement of rolling a tree, but then I've also seen the sadness of rolling a tree. So I've gotten both extreme spectrums of it. Um. Two that I that come immediately to my mind was the uh, one of the one of the wins in the in the NCAA tournament. I, don't, I think it was the North Carolina win. I'm sorry, Ryan. Uh, no, it was, it's fine. I, it, I couldn't lose. It was the uh, I think it was the North Carolina win that uh, went down there for basketball, and then the 2017 Iron Bowl. After the 2017 Iron Bowl, uh, got down there, and it was the just it was. I was rolling that southern snow is what it was it was equated to like there was no patch of grass that had to did not have toilet paper on it there was no tree down there except for the two on the very corner that did not have toilet paper on them it was it, it was the most i've seen that place rolled yeah i i unfortunately don't have as many memories as i want to have um I, I, as I've said before, I had never been to an Auburn game until I became a student here in 2014, and so would go on occasion over the the four years of being a student. Um, I think the two most vivid memories I was at the Rolling for 2017 Iron Bowl. I mean, that's just a that that was the best win as a student uh, being being here at Auburn. Now the Georgia win was pretty sweet too. The other memory had nothing. I mean, I was. I don't even remember which Auburn game it was. So it tells you it, the memory was not for that reason. I just remember being am, am, amongst all of the rolling of trees when uh, Tennessee and Georgia had that hail mary game, where I think Tennessee won on a on a hail mary against Georgia. I think yeah. Josh Dobbs was the quarterback. I think that was 2016. I'm not a few successes of Butch right, Jones. Right, right. I I think that was 2016. I'm not entirely sure, but I just remember being at Tumor's Corner and being like, "Excuse me, what just, what just happened uh, in the Tennessee Georgia game?" It was because they they Tennessee did a couple like last second wins. They they beat Texas A and M on a last second right, win and too. they might have lost of and it. I don't know. This might be running years together. I think by the same token, they lost to Florida. Yeah. On the in the last seconds to like a Will Greer Florida team. Uh, Tennessee had some. They had a two or three year stretch where they were trying to get better with Butch Jones, but, and they were having the most epic stuff happen. Uh, and it was uh, it was pretty incredible. But uh, yeah, no, I think definitely 2017 Iron Bowl uh, is something that I'm going to remember from a, a rolling standpoint. But again, uh, news that the tumors trees that were Planted in 2017, uh, they are now allowed to be rolled 
uh, as they have recovered through the transplant process. So uh, exciting news, and hopefully there will be a lot of rollings of Tumors Corner this fall. We're going to take our next time out of the show. We'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today when we come back. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. Tiger 95.9. Let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing fine, guys. And uh, yourselves, uh, Mr. Uh, Brooks Childress and Mr. Uh, Tom Peavy? Doing well. Doing great, yeah. Okay, well, I appreciate you guys. Welcome you back to Sports Center. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I knew if you were listening, that I knew you would uh, you would catch up on that. Yeah. Well, you know what I suspect uh, from my days uh, in, in the mental health field is that when we have a slip like that, or we're thinking we might have a slip, is probably because you are maybe um, unconsciously uh, practicing to submit. A audio edition tape uh, to uh, ESPN at Sports Center, probably. Uh, not quite for me. Uh, not quite, but uh, again, TV versus the radio side of things. But uh, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, look, they can afford you. You'll be a lot cheaper than the guys that sure. got on there already, right? Yeah, absolutely. They're paying those guys millions. You don't have to pay me millions. I'll I'll work for half of that. Yeah, so you see, you can beat their salary cap. There you go. <laughs> All right, moving on, guys. In the words of. Uh, Demari Austin, that was apparently was overheard and said to Mr. Jaquez Hunter, "We back, baby." Yeah, yeah. That's a good we thing. Back, baby. It's good to see him back. And uh, was it you, Brooks, that said that? Uh, wait to see if he might be uh, in the UMass game. Well, I'm thinking, wait a minute, guys. If he's on the practice field, then what are you doing having him on the practice field if he's not going to be playing uh, starting for every game? Uh, am I getting 
what what your concerns are there, Brooks. Uh, I mean, it's just you know you still have to get him ready for a season. I mean, it's not like you you just throw him out there with you know what have him sit out and then you know say say he's only suspended for one game, the UMass game. You can't just throw him out there that next week and say here practice, get season ready. You got to have him out there to practice a little bit. So that's the it it that's still the the concern is maybe there's still a game suspension there. We the the thing that's concerning is we just don't know anything. It's it's just there's you see him out there today. And there just has not been any sort of, an, you know, any, any official announcement. There hasn't been, nobody said anything. It's just, boom, he's there. And you're like, okay, cool. But is there anything else coming? It, it's just, it, you have to think about, you know, you're, you're thinking about it. Maybe there's something else there. Maybe there's not. Maybe I'm I'm reading too much into it and saying, and maybe I'm reading too much and saying, you know, he, he's this was it. Maybe this was the suspension of these first uh, week and a half of practice. Well, uh, let me tease your thoughts more then. What would have you think that he... Uh, maybe hasn't fulfilled any suspension. If he's out there practicing, uh, could the two be separate? You can practice, but you're still going to be suspended for so many games. Yeah, I think so. Because, uh, like I said, you got you know at this point in the year, you got to get them ready for the season anyway. And so it, it's you're you lead them up, you know, get them practicing, get them leading up to the season. It it really what it what you really need to look for is how he practices. Is he in there taking first team reps every single time they get out there? Is he is he fully involved? Or is it he's sprinkled in? You know, he's working out and he's doing everything, but he's not the main focus of the of the running backs. Uh, because if if that's you know it's it's really going to depend on how how they practice it. Because you could still there there could still be a suspension out there for games. Uh, it, it's just you you got to get them ready for the season. Okay, uh, from there, everything I did from Jason Caldwell, they said that he was practicing with the first string and taking a lot of reps. Uh, but uh, then what about this part? Okay, uh, if he is going to be not starting the first game or suspended we wouldn't know that they wouldn't tell us uh, i mean sometimes they they tell you sometimes they don't you know college football coaches are are a unique breed where they will you know they they sometimes they'll announce stuff and then sometimes they want to keep it close to the vest and i know that umass and and cal let, let's say let's just entertain the idea that he was suspended for the first two games those now, why would it matter brooks the, the first these, 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 that's these what i'm saying is the care less yeah the first two teams it's it, it they were team teams that auburn should be able to beat but it's still you know you you're it, it the college football coaches are still very very unique and they they don't like to give away what what's going on and especially inside their own programs okay fair enough let's move on real quickly here's something that the coaches uh some players that are not reluctant to tell us how they feel about them in very strong terms and they love the crap out of these people appalachian state transfer jayla mcleod has steve you there hello Hello. Cannot hear Steve. Steve, you still there? Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Oh, okay, yeah, there we are. Yep, now we can hear okay, you. Okay, yeah, I went out there. Okay, I was just talking about there are some uh, coaches who are not reluctant to say some strong comments in a positive manner about several transfers, one of them being Jalen McLeod, Appalachian transfer. The words that were used to describe him are, quote, that he is unblockable. Well, that would be very positive if true. Uh, this is coming from uh, Jason McLeod. Uh, uh, just Caldwell and his talking to the coaches. Another person that they're really high on, apparently, is North Texas transfer Larry Nixon. Interesting. And the third person that they had some strong positive comments about is Eugene Asante, a transfer from North Carolina. Yeah, so I, know I don't know if you heard about those guys. 
I uh, did not hear Nixon uh, mentioned in the uh, when we were talking to coordinators yesterday. I did hear both McLeod and Asante were asked about, and that's what prompted responses there. Uh, so, again, I I think that in general, when you hear a player brought up, we try to take everything in the context for clues. But again, there's going to be very, very, very few situations where. A player is brought up and a coach is just like, yeah, he's not playing well. Yeah, he, He's just not doing a very good job. He's not developing. Uh, if you hear that, then that is somebody that's absolutely not going to be playing the, the role that you think they could play because that right. is very few and far between. So, again, I'm not trying to tell you that these guys are not going to factor in, that they're not playing well. Jalen McLeod is absolutely going to play, and, and maybe Eugene Asante could work his way in there and that sort of thing. He's a, They're clearly all these guys uh, are auditioning for roles and spots and big opportunities. But uh, a lot of guys are going to get a lot of praise or a lot of compliments in the, in the fall. Uh, that's just kind of the nature of hyping up your own program and your own guys. Sure. But when they, they mention certain people's names, you wonder, okay, they must really uh, see something in this guy to bring his name up. And yeah, if it's unprompted, this. then that is a certainly a good sign. It is certainly a good sign. And Jason prompt, uh, added this comment from another uh, one of the coaches there about Jay McLeod. He said that he is someone – that they believe could be an every-down player. Yeah, we'll see about that. Obviously, size is important there, uh, and, it, of course, it'll matter what other roles other guys can fill, but uh, that would be interesting if he'd able to be a, a three-down, every-down guy. All right, moving on, guys. Uh, the ACC, according to the Spun, has two words regarding the possibility of Cal Stanford coming to the ACC, and those two words are? What's that? Still evaluating, quote. Gotcha. I thought you were just going to say like Pacific Coast or something like that. Wrong, wrong no. coast. Still wrong coast. evaluating. But they're looking at Cal and Stanford. I didn't know that they were looking at them uh, to come to the ACC. Do you guys know that? Yeah. yeah uh, we, we discussed uh, it briefly yesterday. Yeah, we, we, we didn't get to really do a full yeah, segment a full on it. Day, but, uh, we were certainly going to today. But, yeah, we, we did mention it yesterday. So, apparently, the name Atlantic Coast Conference has no more relevancy. Geography is not... None of them do, uh, uh, unless you're at Conference USA, in which, of course, you can have the entire United States of America or the American, or the American Athletic Conference, mm-hmm. then you really cannot uh, cannot claim that you're still on the right track mm-hmm. there. You know, all these number conferences are wrong. Yeah. Uh, I guess the Mountain West is still doing okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, all these conferences, for the most part, are abandoning geography. Well, well we, uh, we were all off the air yesterday discussing different names for the ACC and what would we say, the All-Coast Conference? That's what Brooks had. I just mm-hmm. said American Coast Conference. You know, I really just, just – you can keep coast and conference, just specify and put some sort of uh, quantifier that can be any of the coasts, not, uh, not just yeah. the Atlantic. Well, what's the world coming to, huh? And what – are we going to change the, the SEC – uh, you know, uh, Missouri exactly in the southeast. Yeah, Missouri is not. Uh, and and really, the Texas schools in Oklahoma, that's really southwest. Yeah. Or, well, that's, or that's south stretching central, it. Yeah. stretching it, too. Yeah. So even the there, SEC is not well, technically I, all I will the way say right. that Missouri, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas are still a heck of a lot more in the southeast than Stanford and yeah, oh, Cal well, no are on the yeah. Atlantic yeah. coast. Yeah. No debating <laughs> that, yeah. Okay, but south... Missouri, just I, I when they when they put Missouri, I said, does geography not not matter any longer? I guess, uh, but uh, all right, uh, enough of those shenanigans. What is going on with Mr. Kirby Smart? He's losing 
uh, some people, guys. He's he losing his grip. He lost a five-star safety to Alabama, I just read. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on there, but I, I yeah. I, I mean, that's the best thing I, as I can say is I don't know what's going on there. I don't know uh, – yeah, they What's bo- going through the players' heads, but I mean, they're still picking up plenty of five stars. They they lose one here, or there, but they're picking up more yeah, than I was they're about losing. To say, I, I even, well, then they lost KJ Bolton to FSU. I even brought this up yesterday, and you know, they still over the weekend got a top fifty player, a running back, and we. This is the nature of being at the top of recruiting. They're still the number one ranked class for two thousand twenty four. So. Look, yes, they've lost some battles, but you can't sign all 50 or 60 guys that you want. So, yes, they have lost a couple of big ones recently. It has not affected them whatsoever in the recruiting rankings. All right, moving on, guys. Uh, this was, to me, rather a head-scratcher, and this came from the spun. It says, crowd and Hall of Fame induction ceremony is awful. So I looked down there, and sure enough, man, how about, you know, uh, an overstatement or understatement there? I looked at the video, and... There was a, a lack of attendance. It's pretty mildly. Did you see the video of the people attending the Hall of Fame induction over the weekend? Yeah, I saw one image of it. It was definitely less than stellar. And what got me even more is that this is in Ohio, and they were honoring one of their best players of all time for Cleveland Browns, Mr. Joe Thomas. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. You know, Cleveland still is in Cleveland, Ohio, right? Yeah. This is yes. Canton, Ohio? Yeah. Uh, good gosh. I mean, if you're going to go to see one of your best players, uh, what does that say about uh, the, the fan base there? I don't know if it says anything in particular about the fan base because, I mean, I think that uh, there's other legends of the game there, too, that could have easily been supported by others and, and that sort of thing. I mean, I know the Browns don't have attendance issues. I mean, like all these all these NFL teams, for the most part, don't have attendance issues or anything – completely sour with it so yeah i mean again it was uh it was certainly a disappointing turnout but i i don't know what to read into it necessarily uh see one more thing for us and then we got to get to another phone call before the end of the hour okay uh i can i, I can read between the lines guys so with that said uh i do appreciate you guys letting me on all the time and uh, i've got nothing more until tomorrow uh i hope you guys if you haven't seen the movie i strongly urge you to go see oppenheimer if there, I've got preliminary plans. If we don't play softball tonight, Steve, I'm going to see Oppenheimer tonight. If there's no uh, no softball, okay. Well, if you do go see it, guys, my cautionary maybe it's just me, but it's a three hour movie, so I would not suggest drinking too many liquids uh, before the game. <laughs> that is fair. That movie, no coke. It is very okay. long, but it was good. All right, that's that's all I got, guys. And until tomorrow or Sports Center, whichever comes first, <laughs> War Eagle. Or you'll see, appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We have time for one more call before the end of the hour at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing good. Looks like Steve said a whole lot, didn't it? <laughs> he usually does. You know, uh, when you look at this past weekend, Hall of Fame, uh, DeMarcus Ware, uh, Getting that Hall of Fame jacket and ring and recognized like that, a Pro Bowl, a Super Bowl winner, uh, had uh, was Dallas Cowboys sack leader when he left the team and went on uh, to the Broncos or whatnot. You know, you look at that and you start thinking, well, this kid came out of Auburn High School. He only got offered a scholarship to Troy. 
I mean, who dropped the ball when you're talking about evaluating talent? Uh, somebody eyes or, or well, someone was just totally well, blind, huh? Well, can I can I tell you exactly what happened there? Go ahead. He was a wide receiver. He was a wide receiver. Oh, okay. yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he was skinny. Yeah, Demar Demarcus Weir is a skinny little thing, and and I mean, he was, they were looking at him as potentially a wide receiver. He didn't fill out until he went to Troy, and then turned into a beast. But yeah, he was a wide receiver. So went on down to Troy, and Larry Blakeney got him in the strength conditioning program and yeah, developed he, him and, and, and turned him into all all everything defensive yeah, end. Huh? Yeah, he 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 absolutely blew up and developed when he was there. But uh, yeah, I mean, he was a he was a baseball player, wide receiver type fit figure. Uh, when he left Auburn High School. So that's why, you know, Troy, he was a good football player, don't get me wrong, but he didn't have the size or anything that the Division One guys were looking at. But Troy took a took a flyer on him and turned him into a monster. That goes to show you a diamond in the rough. Uh, you know, uh, Say, you know might, might not look the part at the time, yeah. but he messed around and got developed, and look what he turned into. Well, I mean, that's just amazing. Well, and the same, same thing with OCU Minora. OCU yeah. Minora came out of Auburn High School and had no offers, but he was also not a very big kid. Troy yeah. took him, and they turned OCU Menorah into a monster. So that goes to show you being in the right place at the right time is the only thing that matters because that kid who went to Auburn, he probably wouldn't have got developed because they wouldn't have been serious about his size and everything and probably just got ran off or whatnot and, and probably not developing into anything. So that just goes to show you you got to be in the right place, period. Don't care where that. Yeah. Man, I, I tell you, that's something. But, you know, I was really proud and, and really enjoyed that ceremony because I'm related to him uh, – one of my distant cousins uh, uh, is his father and everything, and you know I don't know Demarcus personally, but I I, I grew up around his father and, and knew and know his father personally. But I, I tell you that was really a proud moment to see that uh, to come from where he came from and, and how things have turned out so far is just awesome. Yeah. But I want to say something about uh, the Hunter. Um, Hunter is practicing, right? Uh, he was back at practice today. Okay, so that's a good sign that uh, he's probably going to be with the team and probably play this year, but probably going to sit out a couple games. That could be two, it could be three, I don't know. I know the first two games shouldn't be a problem. Who's that third game? It's the second game that's the, at least m- more respectful. It's UMass to start, then it's Cal, and then it's Sanford. So Cal's that second game that uh, would be slightly intriguing. Okay, so the first three games shouldn't be a problem. I mean, Auburn should be good enough to go beat Cal, sure. even though, if he, you know, without him, but uh, that fourth game, he's definitely going to have to be in the lineup and ready to go, I would assume. So I, w- I would think first two games wouldn't play at all. Then you bring him in and the third game, probably have him at third string or fourth string, let him get a few reps, but the next game he'd have to be the top dog, wouldn't you think? Yeah, because that, that fourth game is Texas A&M. That's conference yeah. opener. Yeah, I, w- I would think so. So we'll see how that plays out and what it does, but uh, time will tell it all. Well, guys, I appreciate the time, and I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Thank you so much for the call today, Anthony. That was Anthony from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Tom? uh, Yeah, well, I mean, it's the crazy thing with DeMarcus Ware and and OC, but, I mean, we're mainly talking about DeMarcus Ware, but, I mean, it's just really cool. uh, Just really cool about the, the story of him, how, you know, he went from really nothing much of anything at Auburn High School, and that's why nobody looked at him because he yeah. was skinny wide receiver type and turned into it, DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus is also one of the best people I've ever met. I, I've actually had a chance to hang out with him a few times. That dude is awesome. Get some good coaching. Like Anthony said, diamond in the rough there. Absolutely. That is it for hour number one of the show. When we come back, more from the Auburn Bank phone line. Also get into more 
the various topics in the sports world this afternoon. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after this. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday edition of the program, I forgot to check outside during the break. I was running around here like a madman. Has it rained much kind, outside kind the Kind of wet, but as Tom said, it may just be just enough to uh, knock the dust down. Okay. Enough to knock the dust down. The skies look like they're trying to clear a little bit. It's also sure. cooled off sure. considerably. This might actually be the, the perfect weather night, actually. Uh, if it's actually in the 70s or something in game time, it ain't going to be bad at all. And Cross your fingers. Uh, get a little natural water for the field, so... Things looking up uh, for the thund- Thunder Chickens tonight. You water the field before the games anyway, so, you know, this is just... That's Not just on those fields. <laughs> Not on those fields. This is just and, not what happened there. Yeah, and hey. again, the radar shows a clear clearing. That was redundant. Uh, a clearing behind <laughs> behind uh, what we just went through. So, again, unless something pops up, we... Uh, we still expect to play tonight. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. We go back to the Auburn Mick phone line. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I am like counting down the days to the opening week for Auburn and uh, seeing what uh, Peyton Thornton Peyton Thornton is going to do for us this year as well because I know he's going to be, I think, um, do y'all think is he's going to be a first string or second string quarterback uh, for Auburn for Week One? I believe he will be the first string. I believe he will be the starting quarterback this year. Again, I think it will be his job to lose. And look, if he gets the job, plays poorly, then there could be some movement there. But he is a two year starter for Michigan State. I, I think he's accomplished quarterback, and uh, I expect once he wins the job, I do expect him to keep the job. Yes, as well, because I am actually uh, following Peyton uh, Thornton on Twitter, and I'm actually, before the season actually starts, I'm going to actually uh, tell him to keep a clearer mind and a clear and a clearer mindset, because, I mean, once you, once you put on a different jersey with a different helmet, once you put the Auburn helmet on, you're putting on history. You're putting on 
150 years of Auburn history. You're you're putting on like that helmet that other Auburn players before you actually wore. You know, like some of the great legends that that played in uh, that came out of the tunnel in Jordan Hare Stadium, like. Um, you know, like Cam Newton, Bo Jackson, uh, uh, Pat Dye, uh, you know, Coach Pat Dye, and, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, the quarter, the, our former quarterback, um, Pat Sullivan. Pat Sullivan and many others, you know, and when you when you look at a different field, you're looking at Jordan Hare Stadium. You're looking at Jordan Hare Stadium and Pat Dye Field. That's Pat Dye's actual field that he won, uh, you know, so many games on. And when when you see that field or when you walk on that field, you're not playing when you're playing on that field, you're not playing in a in a university like Michigan or Texas or Texas A and M. You're playing on a historic field in Auburn, Alabama. And when you're looking up in the stands, you're looking at fans that's been there since the very beginning. And some fans will tell you, like myself, Auburn is is a historic school as well. Yeah, that was a, a rousing speech there, James. I mean, that was uh, that's getting us fired up. Would you also say something to the guys like uh, "clear eyes, full hearts can't lose"? Something like that. Would that be a good message? Um, yes, I'm actually going to uh, send uh, Peyton some some messages as well, and I'm gonna just tell him, you know, just before you get out there on the field, just. Uh, listen to some music, you know, like, you know, when you're in the locker room getting ready for the first game, listen to like some, you know, some hard, heavy metal music to get, you know, to actually get uh, set into playing football as well. All right. And uh, yeah, of course, a lot of history at Auburn for sure. So uh, we're excited and, and hopefully Auburn will add more history to things this year. Yes, as well, because I'm actually going to be watching all these games uh, this year and uh, seeing, um, you know, where we're going to stand when we're getting down to the end of our season when we play Georgia, LSU, uh, Mississippi State, uh, Vanderbilt, if we're playing this year. Yeah, we're playing Vanderbilt this year, and uh, we're playing Alabama, and I've been – Talking a lot of dirt to a lot of Alabama fans. Talking, I've seen a lot of uh, videos on my Instagram saying that uh, you know Alabama is like number one, and I was just you know throwing out comments saying that we own Alabama, we're we're we own the University of Alabama, and we own Nick Saban as well. So I don't think this time around, I don't see Alabama winning another Iron Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have made some of those statements, but uh, again, you are, are are definitely chalking some trash there, James. So uh, again, you've got that mentality about you. But uh, again, history wise, it's it's on Alabama's side. But we'll see what happens this year. Yes, as well because I'm looking at Auburn actually being in the national championship, and if we make it, if we make it to the national championship, I would like to see Auburn and Georgia. I mean, Auburn and. Oregon play in the national championship game and see our former quarterback uh, Bo Nix 
play against his former team, the Auburn Tigers. That would be a really good uh, TV uh, matchup as well. At, at that as well, and I know if it's going to be in Atlanta, I know that's going to be a hot ticket to to actually sell out in Atlanta. Yeah, I, um, again, I, I think that Auburn is a couple years away, but of course, uh, big dreams there and. If they were to play Oregon, of course, in any any sort of postseason matchup, then obviously that would be uh, must see TV with with Bo Nix playing uh, his former school. But again, long way to get there. And again, Auburn's just trying to start with a, a solid 2023 as a base base point to build off of. Yes, as well because when we actually wrap up the 2023. Auburn football season, I'm going to look at next year to 2024 because I would be going back to Auburn in 2024 of next year and uh, seeing, um, you know, what Auburn really has to to offer as well and uh, getting to see some of the new games for next year when this season wraps up as well. Yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to 2023. Of course, 2024 will be a big year to build the program, but uh, looking forward to all of it. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually going to be looking at my Dallas Wings. Uh, They're on the road. They're playing in Las Vegas, Nevada, playing with the WNBA final champions of the uh, Las Vegas Aces, and um, it's not looking so good for my Dallas Wings. We have three players out for the uh, remaining of the game. But I don't know um, who those players are going to be when they uh, actually uh, talk about it before the game starts. Um, I'm hoping that my Dallas Wings would take this win. But if if we don't, then I'm just going to still be happy with that as well. Yeah, we'll see. Again, Las Vegas, great team. And uh, that will be a tough matchup. But uh, hopefully Dallas can have a, a good end to the season here in the in the coming weeks. Yes, as well, because I know Dallas, uh, they played Las Vegas in the regular season. So um, in in the preseason of of the 2023 uh, WNBA uh, starting games, and it wasn't looking so good. But I know this is the regular season now, so we got a couple of more games to win, but I'm not quite sure if – I'm looking at like maybe down the line in September and October, uh, if we're going to play like Phoenix, uh, the Phoenix Mercury with, uh, Brittany Griner, that would be a really good matchup to actually happen as well. And, uh, seeing if that's going to happen as well, maybe I don't know, but if it, if it could, then I'll just have to see how Dallas, uh, the wings actually do tonight as well. Yeah, we shall see. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually going to be um, looking at uh, some scores for my Texas Rangers uh, because I'm not going to watch the game. It's not uh, local uh, here in uh, Alabama, so I'm going to be watching the scoreboard, the scorecards on my um, my Texas Rangers and uh, seeing if we're going to win. Um, I'm hoping that we'll win as well, and then I'm going to be watching – um, you know, some scores on Atlanta and Tampa as well to see if the Tampa Bay Rays are going to win as well because they're not looking so good as well. So I'm not sure if the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be up for sale as well. Uh, up for sale, yeah. No, I uh, hopefully not that. I know they are trying to look at a, a new ballpark in Tampa or the surrounding area, and 
Uh, if they don't get that, then that could be problematic and a move could happen. But hopefully Tampa will stay right there. They are, uh, and then division-wise, they are three out of uh, behind Baltimore there in the ALE. So very competitive American League East. And hopefully, I, I think they'll definitely get some sort of playoff spot, but we'll see if they can end up uh, getting to the division crown. Yes, as well, because the Tampa Bay Rays are affiliate of uh, the Montgomery Biscuits, and they're actually looking at to see if uh, the Rays might make it to, uh, you know, to like a wild card uh, spot or divisional round series. But I'm not quite sure of how that's going to go. But I think um, I don't know how the standings are, so I'll just probably wait until the standings come out later on tonight and uh, see what happens between now and uh, next few weeks for Tampa. Well, James, before we got to let you go today, I believe yesterday you said you were going to dig into the treasure chest and try and find some trivia for us. So uh, what trivia do you want today? I actually dug all the way down in this treasure uh, trivia treasure chest, and I actually pulled out Auburn University Gymnastics, Women's Gymnastics of Auburn. All right, I would say that you uh, you did, in fact, uh, dig a little deep there. But uh, the good news is Brooks Childress is going to have some trivia for you. He's also, uh, fun fact about Brooks, he's a season ticket member for Auburn Gymnastics. That's right. Okay, so I would I would be there in 2024 with you as well because I am a huge, huge fan of Auburn women's gymnastics. I always go to all of their gymnastics meets at home. And um, a little fun fact about me is I went to my first Auburn women's gymnastics meet. It was back in 2009, and I actually met – the coach of the women's gymnastics, uh, Jeff, and uh, his brother, uh, Jeffrey Grable, one time, um, back when I was a young Auburn uh, fan as well. And they actually, uh, I think on their old uh, Instagram page, I know they had a picture. I took a picture with them. I was in the middle with uh, my uh, big uh, jacket that I always wore for the Auburn Gymnastics meet. So I don't know if they still had that on their old uh, Instagram uh, timeline on their Instagram pages as well. Well, that's awesome. Well, you ready for some trivia then? Oh, most certainly. All right, so Auburn Gymnastics trivia. Coach Jeff Graba has been the head coach at Auburn for how many years? Entering 2013, 2013 was his what year coaching Auburn? I think that would be 20, 2012. No, how, how many years has he been at Auburn? Um, I know um, I did tell him this years ago. Um, he told me... Um, this is Je- this is uh, Jeff Grable, right? Yes. Uh, okay, I would have to say. So this was 2013. So he'd been at Auburn. Ooh, I would have to say 13 years. That's right, 13 years. He's been at Auburn for 13 years. Okay. Yes, I was actually right because he did come to Auburn. Um, 
you know, in in the beginning of 2013 as well, because I was actually there in 20 in 2013 when they actually won the um it was the it was like a big uh meet that they did at Auburn and I was there for the last meet when they actually won against uh was it Florida uh-huh. yeah it was Florida and that's when I uh that's when I was sitting on the on the um on the bottom of the Auburn arena and I looked up and I was so I was like in in like I was sweating and I was just like trying to see if they were going to win against Florida and next thing you know I had tears in my eyes when Auburn actually beat Florida as well and I and I thought right then and there I thought I was about to pass out and the uh gymnastics uh team thought you know there was like what's wrong with him is he okay is he all right because I was about to pass out you know because I I got I guess I got so excited as well yeah that was an exciting time all right you ready for one more question yes all right in 2022 which Auburn gymnast set the individual record at Auburn for beam floor and for the all-around was it a Drew Watson b Cassie Stevens C. Darian Goburn or D. Cindy Salee. I know this one. I know this one. This was in 2022. Yeah. I think I was there in. Well, this was during the pandemic. So no, no, this there. is 2022. Yes, I know. Um, I wasn't there, but I saw this on ES uh, on the SEC Network. Yeah. In 2022, and I think my answer would have to be Sunisa Lee. That's correct. Sunisa Lee set up individual records at Auburn on the beam, the floor, and the uh, all around. <laughs> yes, because when I actually watched this one in 2022, I was actually watching this on my TV, and I think I was uh, doing a a, uh, a party for this. I was hosting a, a house party for it. And when uh, Sunisa Lee came up, when her name actually came up, I jumped around in my room. I thought I was about to twist my ankle. And I was just, like, jumping and screaming and hooting and hollering when she actually did the floor routine because I love her floor work. It's amazing. And I was I was just like, you know, I was like I was praying to God, please let her get like a really good score and next thing you know I saw a really good score change for Auburn and right then and there I did the biggest I did like the loudest war eagle ever. It was just crazy. I mean it was so crazy. I couldn't even I couldn't even help myself to do that. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a big moment and good job on the trivia, James. Yes, as well, because I do love trivia as well. And a little um, thing about me is next couple of weeks, I will be in Panama City Beach, Florida, so I will call you all from the Sunshine State as well. Oh, we look forward to that, and we hope you have a great trip down there. All right, sounds good, and I'll post some good pictures of me and uh, on my Instagram as well. Okay, well, we'll have to look out for that then.
All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Talk e- to y'all guys tomorrow. Sounds good. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our next time out of the show. Back with more sports call right after this. attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 follow sports call on twitter at sports call au like us on facebook at sports call au Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress. You're halfway through the show weather update, uh, which does not have a sponsor, but uh, looking pretty good for Thunder Chicken Softball tonight. Still optimistic about it. It is still cloudy. It rained just a smidgen. but uh, It could stay cloudy as long as it wants. Yeah, again, it would actually be the most comfortable weather day of our season as we try to get our first win we shall see so two more regular season softball games for us let's pivot the conversation into conference realignment we were not able to we do this every day now yeah we? it's uh, just it's it's when not if at this point <laughs> uh although yesterday we were not able to talk much about it. that's why i do want to spend some 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 of time those are two different times of some and that's why the english language is difficult at times but I want to get into the ACC side of this equation because we have spent gobs of time talking about the Pac-12, talking about the Big 12, and a little bit about the Big 10, and we will have certain conversations in the future talking about what those leagues will be like. But the ACC is now trying to make the news, and for a positive reason in the ACC's mind, the league has had to fight off Florida State being irritable and Florida State potentially wanting out, obviously bickering over the 23 to $24 million revenue share that the current league teams are getting. Again, that TV deal was signed in 2016. That's why it is already kind of behind the times a little bit in it, terms of average money per team. It's like when you sign a starting quarterback to a massive contract, and the next week there's another one that already yes. outdates it. Yes, and we've used the... The NBA example, but yeah, the, the quarterback money, all the money in sports continues to go up. That's why the stakes are getting higher, the bickering is growing louder, and the conferences are growing a bigger. Um, so the ACC is exploring the possibility of adding Cal and Stanford. Again, we made the joke yesterday, the Atlantic Coast Conference is now observing the Pacific Coast, and then... The, all the names you can drag into that. Basically, this is a ploy 
to try to further strengthen the league to either, I don't know if they can make Florida State happy, but either appease Florida State for the time being that the conference is in a strengthening mode, not a weakening mode, or to set themselves up in the event Florida State does leave and bring Clemson with them or that sort of thing. They have hopefully added a couple of for now former power conference teams. Now, look, obviously Cal and Stanford are not top institutions in, in terms of athletics. They are very good academically, especially Stanford. The Stanford Cardinal are very good at the other sports, the smaller sports, uh, but in the revenue-generating sports, they are not uh, pulling weight. I saw you look at me, Tom. I knew what you were referring to, the golf and the smaller type of sports. Yeah, because, like, I mean, year in and year out, right. Stanford, Stanford is, like, the best athletic program for success in the entire country. It's when just, you it's, When you go from yeah. – when you combine every sport that they do, right. Stanford usually wins that – President's Cup or whatever they sure. call it is yeah. the best athletic department in the country. It's just it's the just revenue. The re- yeah. it's, it's the big the sports that ones. everybody pays attention to. They're not very good at So that is why they have been sort of left out with, right. with Cal and with Oregon State with and with Washington State because football and basketball are those two sports where you usually do make the money. In particular, football, they have been up and down and and they have not been the most consistent and also i mean they could have marketed their program more they were one of the more content teams to stay in the pac 12 it's also part of this like it's not like arizona state and arizona are worlds above them certainly arizona basketball is valuable uh, but arizona and arizona state football i i wouldn't i'd have to i'd have to go back and look at the history of all of it but are, are are we really talking about a, a vast difference between Stanford football and Arizona and Arizona State football? In fact, would you maybe even argue Stanford would be above them in football and in, in history at least? Not not necessarily the last five years, but heck, Arizona Arizona State the last five years haven't been good either. So I'm just saying, like, I don't think their world's different there. I think that they were a little more resigned to think that the Pac-12 would stay together. But anyway, the ACC trying to look into how strengthen their cause. There's also a report recently that Brooks showed me, saw this on Twitter from Brett McMurphy, that the ACC is also investigating now SMU, which, again, decidedly not on the Atlantic coast. I shouldn't really bicker about this anymore. We're not caring about the geography, folks. It's just not happening uh, anymore. Geography's out the window. You can throw the conference names. The Big 12 is going to have way more than 12. The Big 10 is going to have way more than 10. I don't see them changing their names. The Southeastern Conference, to a degree, is not the Southeastern because Missouri is not. The Texas and Oklahoma schools, they are in the South, but I would not quantify it as Southeast. And so all that we know, uh, we're just not caring about that anymore. I was going to say, I think caring about geography kind of went out the window when Boise State almost went to the Big East. Do you all remember that? I don't remember that. Uh, Wow. Yeah. And you would have figured – Look, there's a lot of layers to this. I, I want to focus on the ACC, but we could get back on the Mountain West schools and what they want to do and the Pac-12 and all that. But the Pac-12 still thinks that it might survive if it can merge with the Mountain West or try to gather up some teams from the Mountain West and the AAC. But if the ACC decides to forego any sort of normalcy to the geography of the conference or destinations, distances, that sort of thing. If they do ultimately add Cal and Stanford, I mean, what, we're down to two. I mean, there's there's nothing to, to talk about with the Pac-12 other than, I guess, or Washington State, Oregon State headed to the Mountain West or the AAC or, or what they're doing. But uh, what do you guys think of this? Again, I, 
I keep asking you at various points what you want to have happen, and it continues to need to be asked. Like, do you really want to see Cal and Stanford end up in the ACC? I, I mean, I, do I want to see them in the ACC? I, I really don't care. Um, but the thing is, I mean, the I'm I'm concerned about the logistics of having that. I look at the logistics of the other schools compared to those logistics-wise. I mean, that, that conference is already stretched so thin because, I mean, you think about the north to south uh, travel that some of those teams have to do just for, you know, up and down the coast from, like, Miami all the way up to Syracuse, New York. That's already big. Now you're talking about some of these teams having to make multiple trips out to the west coast every year. Ah, man, the logistics on that just gets really, really strained. And, and that's, you know – uh, even like just in the SEC, your, your your ability to get around. I mean, some of even the smaller sports, you can bus to some of these smaller sports. Even just the right. furthest reaches, you can even bus if you don't necessarily want to fly. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a quite a bit of a bus ride from Auburn, Alabama, out to Missouri. But Auburn buses but, places but they do. We know they that. bus yeah. that. You can't bus people across the country. So, I, man, the logistics on it and the cost of the travel that will have to take place with that is is pretty big. So, I mean, I, I, I'm concerned about that. Um, but now just on the surface of them playing with these other teams in the conference, I, you know, whatever, I, I don't care. It doesn't affect Auburn right now. Um, it, would it be weird? Yes. It'd be very weird. Uh, but you know, Duke and Stanford can be a yearly football fest. Yeehaw. <laughs> No longer Who's just the, the academics IQ. in the well, non-con. It feels like Duke and Vanderbilt have been playing each other lately, quite a bit lately. Have yeah, I thought. Yeah. Aren't uh, they playing this year? They're playing Wake. Oh, Vanderbilt's playing Wake Forest yeah. this year. Duke's played Northwestern a lot recently. Northwestern. That's who I've noticed them playing. I, I thought I was thinking Duke and Vandy have played in a recent Nerd Bowl. Maybe. I, I'll double check. Yeah. I, I honestly, I. I will double check. Yeah. I, I don't recall it. It's probably happened once or twice, but right. it's not more common than, than oh, okay. the others. It's about the same. But I, you know, the the one thing that I, I the one thing I will say, and granted, it, it is a it, it's a rivalry that has lost a lot of luster. I mean, they had the big, you know, the game and you know the bands on the field. I, I'm a I'm a big rivalry type person. I hate seeing some of the alignment that busts up some of the rivalries. Uh, if you do keep those together into the same conference, and that's cool because you at least keep that rivalry alive. Just like uh, UCLA and USC both moving together, you keep that rivalry alive. You're already busting up some of the Pac-12 rivalries as it is because you're no longer going to have the Oregon-Oregon State. You're no longer going to have Washington-Washington State unless they somehow meet in a non-conference right. setting. Uh uh, still curious to see what's going to happen with Arizona, Arizona State. I mean, for those people in that state, that's a big rivalry. Yeah, it ranks way down on the list of rivalries in college football, but in the state of Arizona, that's a big rivalry. So I, I don't ever want to see Cal and Stanford get busted up that way, but it, it's weird. Uh, it's That's the only thing I can say. It's, it's a weird thought to have an Atlantic Coast Conference, yeah. two teams being from literally on the Pacific Coast. I mean, they're – there's one thing when you start stretching your boundaries of a conference um, uh, geographically, like we've talked about Missouri to the Southeastern Conference and then now Texas and Oklahoma, and it's like, mm, man, we're really starting to stretch our borders here a little bit. But 
now you're talking about a conference that is literally named the Atlantic Coast. Yeah. Bringing in two teams from the Pacific Coast. Trying to specify that it is one coast while trying to now grab from right. the opposite coast. Yeah. Again, as we talked it's about just, earlier. It's weird. Call it the American Coast Conference yeah. or the All-Coast Conference. I, I don't know. Uh, for the record, the last Vanderbilt-Duke football matchup was 2008. Oh, was wow. Yeah. Okay. No, Duke's... Duke's dabbled in the other uh, academic institutions like Northwestern, Stanford, right. but they Dang, I thought I had seen Andy. Duke and Van- maybe it's some other sport that I've seen them play. Yeah. In. I mean, I'm yeah. sure they've crossed paths from oh, time yeah. to time, but uh, not recently there in football. Brooks again, Cal, Stanford, ACC question mark. Can it just stop? Can we just stop <laughs> at this point? And I'm, it's not even because I'm against Cal and Stanford being in the Amer- the, uh, the American Coast Conference. Um, it's just it. it it's just at some point it has to stop, doesn't it? It feels uh, unnecessary. Um, uh, just, just to before I go into more, just to follow up, Nicole Auerbach from the Athletic tweeted about uh, SMU. The, the ACC league administrators are expected to review financials later today related to adding Cal and Stanford, and also all three. So it feels like it's going to be either cal and stanford without smu or all three of them is yeah. what they're what they're looking at right now it's, they ain't just going to be smu it's yeah and cal stanford are kind of packaged together yeah. from the standpoint both in northern cal and both rivals and they just they're similar levels there which then leads it to if they're adding three here would they be, then want to be on even terms and go add another one somewhere else so and so yeah it's where does it stop where does it stop um you know, I'm fine. You know, change is inevitable. We know. You know, the the when college football started, what was it? Now it's 153 years ago or 154 years ago. Now, um, there was a certain group of teams, and then they've kind of you know they, it was the Harvards, the the Yales, and all. And they've got pushed down now, and the bigger you know other other schools have risen to the top. Um, and conferences have have grown, died, come you know, come to fruition, gone away, changed names, changed teams in it. Teams have moved in, moved out. Um, so it, it's always happened. The the conference expansion has always happened, and it, it will continue to until the the world ends. I guess um, dark way to to continue to have this conversation go. But you know, it's it's. At, at some point, you just got to settle down because there's got to be schedules made. At some point, you got to settle yeah. down and say, all right, we're done. This is going to be the schedule for, for upcoming years. Um, honestly, and it, it wouldn't. It, this would not happen because there's too much power in the conferences. There's too much. The, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, they, the, the conferences have too much power to let this happen. But it, eventually, you couldn't. I mean, I, I wouldn't hate seeing you know uh the ncaa rise up and say we are this is this is how it's going to go and it's basically becomes a nat just a, a there's no conferences there's a, the college football is, is the fbs uh level is all-encompassing we'll make you know every we're gonna have you know the team of scientists or whatever make the schedule every single year for everybody um, That'd be pretty damn complicated. It would. Though. It would be, and then one hundred thirty that, schools. That's why it wouldn't. It would never happen because the it, it, how complicated it would be. That's just me. You know, thinking. Thinking like that would be fun to have, 
but the conferences, it's already gotten to the point where the the NCAA really doesn't control the FBS. I mean, the college football playoff. If you ever watch an NCAA championship, you see a you know any clips of football. It is uh, the FCS playoffs. The NCAA really doesn't control the the FBS anymore. It, it's it has grown so large; it's its own entity. The NCAA is basically in college football or Division One college football for uh, rules enforcement, and that's about it. Um, and so, what I'm trying to say, I think, is it, it's I'm not I I don't hate the because it, it gives you some interesting matchups in different sports. Um, what I what I hate is that it just doesn't feel like it's going to stop anytime soon, and it just it has to. It something's got to like somebody's got to say, all right, this is it, we're done for a little bit. So, a couple things want to want to get to here for just a second so one acc numbers wise we're in this era where conferences just love round numbers i think they feel it's better to schedule that way um they they have stayed that way the acc has had a conundrum where they are not they don't this is why they're exploring it they don't have to build an even numbers because remember they already are working on two different numbers they're working on odds and evens Notre Dame is in the league for basketball and for other sports. That's 15. So if they added three, well, then all the other sports will be on even numbers. If they add two, those will still be on odd, but football will be on even because even right now is how it is, and they're at 14. Remember, Notre Dame still plays ACC teams, so they, in their scheduling mind, they might almost feel that they are – at 15 right now, that they are including Notre Dame. It's just they obviously can't benefit from full-fledged Notre Dame being in for football and being a part of helping the financials and being conference participation, that sort of thing. But because of their agreement for the other sports, the agreement was that Notre Dame has to play a certain amount of ACC schools in football. So it is functioning sort of like 15. It is in reality 14 for football. But then it is in reality 15 for the other sports. And so, you know, I, I I think they are one of the rare cases where they feel they have and they should feel that they have flexibility where they don't necessarily have to land on always even numbers because it would just make it odd for all the other sports and, and how you consider all that, that sort of thing. So that is that is one element I want to touch briefly on. Other element, too, is – these schools that are leaving for the Big Ten and Big 12, when you compare what they were going to get from the Pac-12, there were some cost estimates for like Arizona State thrown out there versus some teams like Washington going in the Big Ten. It was estimated for someone like Washington, it would add three to four million in travel. That's a pretty large number for us, the everyday person. It's not a large number for. In reality, it's really just not a large number for these other schools, especially given that in the Pac-12, Oregon and UW were going to be in the low to mid-20s on earnings per year, maybe the high 20s. The Pac-12 tried to pitch you on 30s if, if you were in the league based off a number of subscription, but it was going to end in the 20s, somewhere mid to upper 20s, realistically speaking. Um they will get 30 or 31 to start off with in the Big Ten, and they will go up a million per year until the TV deal expires in the 2030s, early 2030s, I believe. So they're going to get that difference back is what I'm telling you. If they were going to get 25, 
out of the Pac-12, and they're going to get 30, 31, 32, 33, et cetera, out of the Big Ten. They make that travel difference up. They don't necessarily profit a whole lot more, uh, but but it's at least break-even, if not profitable, and it will become profitable the more we get into it. So the travel concern financially is not actually a concern. The travel concern is really about the people. Right. It's about the student athlete. And we always, again, I'm I'm saying we're just as guilty as anybody. We talk about the big boys. We talk about all the SEC schools, all the power conference schools. That's what dictates who gets in these playoffs. It's who wins the majority of championships, blah, blah, blah. Again, all that, we, we talk about it. But, again, I feel we would be remiss to not at least mention the fact that 90, 95% of these college athletes do not play professionally and they are the ones whose education is incredibly important all education is important i think in general you would like to be educated versus not you would like to know more things than you would not i mean that's not i don't want to walk around looking stupid every day uh so and i want to have a a good view of how the world works or how it's, it's intended to work and so Everyone's education is important, but particularly the 90 to 95% athletes that will use that education to have a career rather than the athletic part of their experience in college. And so to go cross country, to have longer wait times, to have more airports, to have messed up sleep schedules and all of that sort of thing, that is a real concern for those that need the academic part even more than the athletic part of schools. And so that's what I would be concerned with at the end of the day is all those people that, again, are going to have their lives altered because of instead of traveling a couple of hours, they are traveling seven or eight hours, and they're going through more airports. And, again, instead of getting back from a road weekend game at, I don't know, midnight or something, you're getting back at 4 a.m., like, those are real things. And, look, money's going to win out in the end. It typically does. That's how the world works. And it does, shouldn't always work out that way. I think that it needs to at times. But it should not always work out that way. And so, anyway, they, they are going to be left behind in that sense. Now, look, you can try and – I think you try and find ways – to help it more online options for classes and which we're already kind of gotten there because of COVID and that sort of thing. But again, that is the real concern and that's the real people we're not considering as the athlete. And some of the head coaches in football like Lane Kiffin have talked about that. Eli Drinkwitz of Missouri. And I know people try to say, well, how can Eli Drinkwitz talk? He's Missouri. Missouri left the big 12. They now have longer travel. Yeah. Eli Drinkwitz did not leave the big 12 for the sec that is a flawed flawed argument there he was not the one making the decision he was not even at missouri when that occurred so uh let's let's not go down invalid criticism route but uh again that's the part of it that's difficult is the student the real student athlete and again as much as we talk about the the most popular athletes the best athletes etc it's a lot of human beings that are still a part of this process that are still going to have a, a much more difficult time uh, because of travel and that sort of thing, resources, extra resources required and more time. Uh, 
just a few minutes ago on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey was on the Paul Feinbaum show, uh, and uh, he had a some, some quotes about um, expansion, again, updating the SEC. We've been very clear on this. He's been very clear on this. The SEC is just not seeing the need to expand, and even at this time where there have been ample opportunities to, to stick their head in the door. Um, we're in, in this is Commissioner Sankey over on uh, Paul Feinbaum's show, quote, we're in an enormously healthy place. We're not in the middle of the current movement efforts. Quite frankly, it wasn't a great feeling as he talks about the diminished state of the Pac-12 and the SEC's role in a rapidly shifting college football landscape. So again, it has been perfectly clear that the SEC does not intend to engage right now. Will they end up at more than 16? Look, logic tells you that someday that will happen. Uh, that will just be how the landscape goes. Uh, but that is not the current need nor situation for the SEC. Any final thoughts, guys? we got a break coming up here in a couple minutes. Uh, but uh, last part of the conversation for today uh, want to hit on SMU or anything about the travel aspect of it? Just any final thoughts uh, before we take our last uh, or end of our break? Um, you know, it, it it's it's still I, I do applaud. Uh, you know, Greg Sankey has been in the Southeastern Conference as a whole has still been very solid in their in their stance to conference expansion. Um, after you know, Texas and Oklahoma were announced that they were coming to the the sec greg sankey got out there and said yeah they came to us we didn't go out there and seek them out they came to us everything else that has happened around uh college football in terms of expansion here this this cycle uh is reaction has been reaction to uh, uh the sec which is already the the top conference in college football adding two of the biggest brands in college football history um, and so it, it still continues to he continues to stand that way where it's we're not actively seeking anybody. We will listen to conversations if they come our way, if they are approached, if they approach us, if other schools approach us, we will listen to those conversations. But they are not actively seeking because the SEC feels like it's got a strong product and it should. You've got, uh, you know, you've got the defending two-time national champion. You've got a, a team in Alabama that has continued to be uh, in the playoff conversation, New Year Six conversation, um, every single year uh, that has uh, that it's been in existence. Um, you've got teams like an LSU who have been in the New Year Six national championship conversation. Florida has been in the New Year. They we we talked last week. When we did our preview. They've been down these last years. They've still been in New Year Six games since it's gotten formed. Auburn's been in uh, conversations for it. Ole Miss has been in conversations for uh, f- for New Year Six games and has played in New Year Six games. Um, you're adding two teams in Oklahoma and Texas who have been in New Year Six games, who have been in playoffs, who have been you know moments away from going to a a national championship game. And it's it's so uh, it's just it's a unique conference in football. It's it's the most powerful conference in football, and there's there's no need to mess with it unless somebody comes calling. And you know I'm, I'm sure there's conversations that are had behind closed doors that you never know about. But hey, the SEC does not is not reactionary. They're they're in the forefront of of this conference expansion. 
We are out of time for hour number two. Still more sports call ahead in hour number three. We'll kick it off with the sports call five at five. That will be Atlanta Braves related. And after that, a preview of Ole Miss football as we continue to have 14 SEC school previews in 13 days. We continue on with the Tuesday edition of Sports Call after this. Time out. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the proud host of this show. Tom Peavy and Brooks Childress are with me on this Tuesday edition of the show. Just an hour and a half before we have our final regular season softball games of the year. It flew by, mainly because we didn't have these cancellations. Again, unless something uh, unforeseen happens the next hour, uh, we should be playing tonight and and it has been pretty crazy to uh, to see that. We've had a more competitive season, but still looking for our first win. Please, tonight, let this uh, be the night. And uh, <laughs> uh, we will see. Uh, we will see. But um, we have one more hour of content for you here on this Tuesday edition of the show. And we lead off the 5 o'clock hour, as we do each and every day now, with the Sports Call 5 at 5, brought to you by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends, and Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them at selandgroup.com. The Sports Call 5 at 5 today presented by Southeastern Land Group. We're going to go through the five Atlanta Braves that have hit 20 or more home runs this year. Number one is Matt Olson, who is trying to be number one in Major League Baseball in home runs as he tries to chase down Shohei Otani. 39 home runs for Matt Olson this year. Unbelievable production. Uh, he was hitting the homers in the two spot, but once he moved to the cleanup spot, he started to have all kinds of hits. He's raised the batting average, the RBIs, they lead uh, the National League, or excuse me, they lead the major leagues in that. Uh, he has been uh, really awesome as uh, a power hitter in the middle of that Braves order. Next up. 
Number two is a tie. So we'll go ahead and go number three. So number two and number three were both tied at two is Ozzy Albies after his 26th home run last night. And Austin Riley, who has 26 home runs in the year, has had a power surge the last few weeks. Very different human beings. Ozzy Albies, very short, playing the middle infield. Austin Riley, a large man who is playing third base, the one of the more traditional power hitters and power positions. Ozzy Albies and Austin Riley, both with 26 home runs on the year have been uh, incredibly productive. Number four is Ronald Acuna Jr. 25 home runs. He's on the 40 home run watch, starting to fade off pace a little bit. Need a big few weeks out of him. But, of course, with all the stolen bases, Acuna has been an excellent all-around hitter for the Braves, hitting nearly 340 this year. Again, fourth on the team with those 25 home runs. And number five. Number five. Is Marcel Ozuna as he tries to bounce back from a very rough start to the year. He's up to 23 home runs on his season. That is also 30 home run pace. Uh, so Matt Olson with 39 homers. Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley with 26. Ronald Acuna Jr., 25. And Marcel Ozuna with 23 for the Braves. Five players have already hit more than 20 home runs that are therefore on. 30 home run plus pace. Matt Olson on around 50 home run pace. Uh, very exciting to see all these Braves home runs, and they are still right around the pace necessary to break the all-time record for most home runs in a season currently held by the 2019 Minnesota Twins. That is Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Real quickly before we take our next break and get to Ole Miss football, Wanted to talk just a moment about what's going on in the announcing world with oh, Baltimore Orioles announcer Kevin Brown, who was removed from the booth for multiple weeks. He is set to finally come back on Friday, according to recent reports. Kevin Brown was technically, they never said it, but was in actuality suspended by the Baltimore Orioles for comments he made in a week, over two weeks ago now, and I can't, I don't have the clip for you. I encourage you to go find it. But uh, please trust us when we say there was absolutely nothing even worth reprimanding or or any sort of negative feeling towards. Uh, there was a 58 or 59-second clip of him talking about the fact that the Baltimore Orioles have not won a series in Tampa uh, since 2017. And there was a graphic put up, which if you know how TV operates – it is a kind of a conversation between producer and on-air talent where producer also comes up with ideas to to put on there what would be a good talking point, what would be a good direction to move a broadcast. And then the graphics people create graphics to help aid in the conversation and, again, help produce the broadcast. And there was a graphic up there that showed – the Orioles' lack of success in Tampa, in the TROP. And so the Orioles announcer, Kevin Brown, was simply talking about that graphic. He was not adding any negative flair whatsoever no. and then suspended multiple weeks for it. Uh, guys, I understand how things can be perceived. You certainly – there is a level of trashing your own team that you would like not to get to. It can't exactly be – the sarcasm of Bob Euchre and Major League uh, when talking about your own team. But this was unbelievable, and I think we're all going to be in unison here 
all extremely shocked and disappointed the Orioles. Unfortunately, he was not actually fired. He'll be back Friday, but a lot of people in the announcing world rushing to the aid and support of Kevin Brown, and justifiably so. Yeah, um, I, I watched the video, and uh, the guy was just saying facts. He he was not disparaging the Orioles organization. He was you know in no way whatsoever was he going. This team is just terrible, you know. It, he was literally just reciting the facts as they are, and apparently some sensitive somebody within the or- Orioles organization did not like the fact that he was telling the truth. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and unfortunately for him, it just, you know, in in today's world, because uh, – because of just how much stuff goes on in this world, there's a lot of people that are not going to look further into it. What they're going to see is this guy was suspended for comments that he made, and people are immediately going to rush to a certain judgment on what he said without even looking at what was said, looking at facts or anything. They're just going to see that he was suspended for comments that he made and immediately rush to a judgment and now label him forever whether they don't whether they know anything or not he will be labeled because he got suspended over comments that he made if you just go and watch the comments it was literally him saying facts about the team there was absolutely no reason for them to to suspend him whatsoever none zero yep i don't know why they did that i don't know what their thinking was with that i i have heard a lot worse come out of uh sportscasters of of a certain team things come out of their mouth about the way that their teams are performing right now uh i'm sure the new york mets announcers have probably said some pretty awful things about the mets considering the payroll they have the players they had and just how terrible they are i guarantee you the mets announcers have said a lot worse I'm sure the Yankees announcers have said a lot worse with the Yankees and the roster that they have when they've gone through their struggles. I, I just, I, it baffles me that somebody in the Orioles organization was just that sensitive that you can't even allow your broadcast guy to just state facts. And that's all he was doing was stating pure facts that were then backed up by a graphic that he was reading off of. And wow, I, man, somebody. Talk about like, you know, you send people to sensitivity training. I think somebody from the Orioles front office needs some sensitivity training on how not to be so dang sensitive with stuff. Yeah, you look at it, it and it wasn't even, you know, he was reading facts and it was a great open. I, I watched it with great open to a broadcast. Um, and it's not even like he was, you know, stating these facts and just saying, hey, you know, they've been bad here. Let's, you know, now to the game. It's they've been bad here. But guess what? Now they're like this year. They have been much better, and they even it was it was a it was a compliment to the team where he you know he was he even made the comments like hey you know they the Orioles have been better and it's not like the Rays have you know fallen into obscurity they're you know the Orioles have just gotten that much better this year and so it's it's not I don't know what the the whoever it was that suspended him you know ever everybody's it was the ownership and everything but it's it, it it's not it, it there was nothing there there was nothing there to suspend anybody over it was a well done broadcast intro it was a well done um pre- presentation of the facts saying hey this team has not been good here but guess what it's 
turned around. They've gotten so much better this year. And it it's it, it's continues to be and it, it you run into the problem with uh some of these some of these sports teams that it's I don't want to call it state media because it's not state media, but when you run into some of these regional broadcasts, the the broadcasters are essentially employees of the team because the the teams have a stake in the 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 broadcasting. That's why you know NFL. You know you look at the NFL, you look at college football, uh, you, basketball, college basketball. All their games are on national TV. They're they're not owned. I mean, I guess the SEC network has a stake in the has or the SEC has a stake in the SEC network. Um, but on that, on these national broadcasts, you're you've got broadcasters go out there and they you know that's very neutral. Um, you know, hockey, pro basketball, baseball, MLS. You've got broadcasters that are part or employees of said team because the, the 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 media company that they work for is partially owned especially Masson Masson is jointly owned by the Orioles and the and the Washington Nationals uh, and so that's where you get into this where an owner can feel like the, he's able to do this and I, I think what you're going to get out of this is you're going to see the the rest of the owners around the league I don't think anybody else would do this but the rest of the owners around the league are going to see hey we can't just kick somebody off a broadcast because they said something slightly uh, something that we didn't want to hear about our team. He he was presenting facts. It there was nothing wrong there. I I'm going to be glad when he gets back into the booth on Friday. Um, and yeah, it, it's just it's it's an embarrassing situation for the for the Orioles. You know, it also I think of other owners, someone like Steve Cohen of the Mets. He'd probably tell the group at SNY to criticize players more. He'd probably yeah. be like, yeah. Paying this guy thirty million this year, he's hit two ten. How about you hit above two fifty? How's that sound? Hit above league average. Uh, so again, that was a uh, unbelievable uh, story, and and not for the right reasons. There, but unfortunately, going back to work on Friday, and yeah, but and it, you know the thing is, what bothers me with it, yeah, he's going to go back, and it's like nothing ever happened, right? But it was still Somebody's, not just in the first. No, place. it was not just, and I. I really wish somebody from the Orioles organization would step up and go, "Hey, listen, we're sorry. We sure we may have we may we may have we may have jumped the gun on this, and you know, sorry, you know, we apologize for that. You know, I would like to see that instead of like, let's put him back to work and like hope nobody ever mentions that screw up again. It's like, no, come out, apologize, apologize to him. I mean, the guy did nothing wrong. That's just absolutely silly." Very disappointing circumstance for sure. We're going to take our first timeout here of hour number three when we come back, a preview of Ole Miss football for the 2023 season. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au i'm trevon reed former auburn tiger football player and national champion you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 
to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LeBoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday edition of the show. We are into the 5 o'clock hour, starting to get towards the end of the show. Time to preview Ole Miss football in 2023. Yesterday it was Arkansas. Tomorrow it will be Kentucky. And Thursday it will be Texas A&M. Just giving you a, a brief look ahead there. So we get into Ole Miss today after talking about Arkansas. I think some of the similar concepts for these two type of teams. Talked about program trajectory yesterday with Arkansas and where it truly was after a very good 2021 and a disappointing 2022 due to all the close losses the Razorbacks had. I think it's a similar story for Ole Miss. It was a terrific 2021. It was putting some real success to the hype around Lane Kiffin, the return of Lane Kiffin to the SEC, a 10-3 season, the first time Ole Miss had ever had 10 wins in the regular season. And last year it was on a similar path. The Rebels were... 7-1, Seven and one, I believe, to start the year last year. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, eight and one, and then lost three of its final four and four of its final five, if you include the bowl game. And finishing eight and five was a bitter pill to swallow after that Ole Miss team got as highly ranked as seventh in the country when they traveled to LSU towards the latter portion of the season. A lot of returning starters, nine on offense. We'll see if it's nine. We'll see if it's Jackson or if it's someone else like Spencer Sanders at quarterback. So interesting quarterback competition for the Rebels. Good number of players back, guys. Again, how do you read the trajectory of this program and uh, where Ole Miss is trying to um, place itself in the SEC this year? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I just looking at their schedule. I mean, their schedule is very favorable for it to be better than eight and five. Uh, the, I, this is not a team that, to me, is going to be competing for the West. Uh, it's, I think, that's still going to be between Alabama and LSU. I, I could see Ole Miss being kind of right there on that cusp, kind of battling for it, but uh, not really sure. You know, they got off to such a hot start last year and then waned off. But I mean, if you look at their schedule, Mercer's going to be a win. At Tulane, he's got to be imagined is going to be a win. Georgia Tech, most likely going to be a win. Alabama, uh, probably a loss. LSU, probably a loss. Arkansas will be interesting. At Auburn will be interesting. Vanderbilt's a win. Uh, they do have to play at Georgia this year. Uh, La Monroe at Mississippi State. Uh, I mean, it, it's uh, – like I said, I don't see them competing for the West, but, I mean, I could see an eight win, another eight and five season, maybe, you know, nine wins potentially. 10 might be kind of tough um, just because, like I said, they're at Alabama, at Georgia. Um, and, then, and then, of course, LSU, Texas A&M still on the docket for them and Arkansas. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's a doable schedule, but it's a tough schedule, I guess, if that's what I'm getting at. I will be interested to see where the quarterback situation goes. Obviously, Jackson Dart is the guy that is returning, but they've brought in several other quarterbacks which makes me think that Lane Kiffin believes that Jackson Dart may not be the guy to lead them. I mean, you don't normally bring in a guy like Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State if you don't think that he can take the job. So it makes me wonder there. Um, and also, uh, obviously, everybody's going to be watching uh, Quinshawn Judkins. I mean, the running back from right up the road at Pike County. Or Pike uh, – was it Pike Liberal? Where did he go to school? He was – he's Pike Road, isn't he? I have to double-check. I thought he was. I thought he was a Alabama guy. 
But um, I mean, you know, he is from the state. I'm just, I'm yeah. For some reason, I'm seeing he's from like right up here in Pike Road. He went to Pike Road High School. Yeah. So um, I it'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't know much about their defense. I know they've definitely got some playmakers on offense that that can give people fits, and then plus, you know, Lane Kiffin and that whole staff. They're going to be an offensive team. It's, you know, do they have enough defense to withstand it? And, you know, that we'll kind of see. But we know they've got some playmakers on offense. They do have some playmakers on defense, too. But uh, you just – any Lane Kiffin uh, – any Lane Kiffin coach team, you have to expect they're going to have a dynamic offense. And it's just a matter of whether they've got the defense that can uh, hold up to it. Yeah, you, you look at Ole Miss this year. They, they are returning nine starters on offense. But, one, you know, the, it – that's if Jackson Dart really is the starting quarterback there. That's the big thing is for this offense is I want to see who the quarterback's going to be, like you said, Tom. Um, Jackson Dart's a very talented quarterback, but when you you know you look and you bring in a guy like Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State, you, you're wondering you know if if uh, Lane Kiffin is uh, is starting to say we we need somebody else here that's going to win us more football games. And so I, I don't have a I don't have a question in what their offense is going to be either. If Jackson Dart or Spencer Sanders is going to be there, their their offense is going to score points with with Lane Kiffin. It's the defensive side of the ball. They do return seven starters on defense, but you. Look Look at what the defense did last year. There was only three, uh, four times that they did not get, allow more that they they allowed less than twenty points. It was Troy. They gave up ten. Central Arkansas. You gave up three. Georgia Tech. You didn't give up any. And then Kentucky. You gave up nineteen. Everybody else scored twenty or more point or plus twenty points on that defense. Um, and so that that's you know it's the nature of college football nowadays with high powered offenses. But you've got to be able to stop somebody in this conference. You know Alabama's got a got a dynamic offense. We talked about this before. LSU's got a dynamic offense. Uh, you know any everybody that you're going to play in this conference has, can score the football. Um, and so if if you're the defense, I you know you're returning like I said you're returning seven starters. But how have those seven starters plus whoever who the other guys stepping up. Uh, in their in, in the spots, how have they progressed throughout last the spring and the summer to be able to get up there and and you know make these games not not let not have these games be shootouts that you're winning, uh, winning by I you know also one thing that I uh, I've always I've admired about Lane Kiffin but it's also frustrated me is his willingness to take chances and it's in in some situations it says it it's great you're like all right yes go for it fourth down here don't kick a field goal. Do, go for it, and then sometimes it's fourth down on your own side of the fo- uh, field, and he's going for it. Like, Are you sure? Are you really sure you want to take this chance and give Alabama the ball right here? All right, fine. And so uh, I want to see a little bit more, maybe not so much leaning so much into the analytics and just you know and figuring things out on the field for Lane uh, and situationally for Lane Kiffin. I think that's uh, some portions, some games that's gotten him in trouble with. Looking at the, like you said, Tom, looking at the schedule. Not an overly difficult schedule, but also not a walk in the park. Uh, Tulane uh, is is there? You know, I, you that know, could I, be uh, Tulane I, could be interesting. Maybe when you, when you have a Georgia Tech on the schedule, I hate to say that Tulane's going to be a more difficult game, but it is. Georgia Tech is not a team that is going to should challenge uh, Ole Miss. You know, Ole Miss what forty two to nothing last year they beat Georgia Tech, and that was on the road, or that was in uh, that was in Mercedes Benz on the road, right. um, and so. Your two lanes, a team that went in, beat USC last year, and so that that could be trouble. Then the first three conference games, that's where you know you, you look at at Alabama, LSU, and Arkansas. 
if you can come out of that, if you're Ole Miss and you can you can somehow come out of that two and one, just losing to maybe you know losing to Alabama or losing to LSU. Um, you're, you're really in a, you, I think you've got a chance to, to make some real waves in the in the SEC West. Realistically, probably you know come out of there with one of those that would probably be Arkansas, and then you hit that last stretch of the year where your biggest competition, unless Texas A&M can get right back, you know can can step up, and I, it's Georgia right there in the middle of that last uh, that last leg between uh, for the half of the season on the road at Georgia. You should, you know, be able to go up and play Auburn very, very well. I'm not going to say that they're, you know, it's on the road at Auburn, and you've seen Ole Miss have trouble winning games on the road at Auburn. Vanderbilt, Texas A&M, UL Monroe, at Mississippi State, they're all winnable except for that Georgia game is the only one that they should not, maybe Texas A&M, should not be favored in. If you're, if you're looking at right now, I, I would say Georgia's the only one that you're not favored in. Um Nine wins, I think, is a real possibility here. I think if you you can go into this, you can come out of this season if you just lose to an Alabama, LSU, and Georgia, hit that nine win. Um, I think you're you're really really good. Uh, I don't I don't think there with those three teams on your schedule. I don't know if there's a path to 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 anything ba- past that. Um, and then you know you could drop a game to an Auburn, a Tulane, a Texas A and M in there somewhere. So I think eight wins is probably what your your realistic uh, your realistic expectations are for this team this year. So a few things on Ole Miss. Look, we perceive Ole Miss as clearly better than Tulane. Just want to alert you guys to the fact that the coaches poll came out yesterday. Ole Miss was twenty two, Tulane was twenty three. Well. I- the one thing I don't, I think like even what Brooks was saying is that maybe clearly, maybe better. But I mean, we're talking about like Tulane is going to be a tougher challenge than Georgia right. Tech. Sure, so, but I'm just saying. I even, that, said, I even said I was like that at Tulane that could be a mm, that right. could be interesting. Ole Miss might be able to end up flexing their muscles. They might prove USC to be silly for losing to Tulane last year. But, again, preseason-wise, Ole Miss is 22, Tulane is 23. Unless something happens week one, that will be a top 25 matchup for Ole Miss, and it will be on the road. So I I still, yes, I would still think that Ole Miss would win that game. That would be my pick if you made me pick right now. But that is tough. That is that is a that is the very difficult five-foot putt to start off your year. And, yeah. uh, it, it breaks a lot. It's not straight in. I mean, you got to if you want to hit it back of the hole, fine, but just be careful. You got to get down the right line. Well, so, well, and the other the, thing with that to take into consideration, I mean, they're going to be hyped up at Tulane. Oh yeah, because they're ranked, and I mean, they they know they got a good team, and you get an SEC team yep. in your home stadium. Yep, watch out. I so, mean, that, that is definitely one that that could is go Tulane. That way. is a trickier than necessary game, and it's one of those things for Ole Miss where. Look, they beat Tulane. We're not going to come on this show afterwards and be like, hey, what an incredible win. I now think they might go to the playoffs. Right. Watch out, LSU, Alabama. It would be. Of We're going to say, all right, good for them. Yeah, Here course. we go. Of course they beat them. And if they lose, then it's be like, oh, no. What is this year going to be like? So it's really one of those kind of lose, kind of lose situations for Ole Miss. Now, the East part of it for them, they get Vandy. They always get Vandy. The problem is they have Georgia. They have the complete opposite side of that equation. So they have one where I feel like they're going to win. I have one where they feel like they're going to lose. 
I don't hate them against LSU. I'm a little concerned about how bad it got last year in Death Valley for them. They lost 45-20. But it is hosting Ole Miss. And, again, what we always have to factor here is it never goes according to plan. Could LSU be a little better than Ole Miss this year? They should. Absolutely. They should be better than Ole Miss this year. But do upsets happen? Absolutely. I mean, so could Ole Miss sneak up at home against LSU? Maybe. The problem is they played BAM the week before. Or maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it got them ready for that. Maybe LSU feels feels a little little more doable after you you go to Alabama. I don't know, uh, but I agree that ten wins just does not seem like a very high probability for Ole Miss. I think they're yeah. automatically pre predisposed to be down the nine mark, and then it's like, well, again, Tulane wouldn't shock me. At Auburn wouldn't shock me. The reason is, do I think Ole Miss will be be better than Auburn this year? Yes, but. Ole Miss is not under Lane Kiffin played Auburn well. They just haven't now. No, Auburn, Auburn ran all over and, and Ole Miss last year, and it's year. three diff. Well, and and they did. They still lost, but yeah. the the three games against Auburn for Lane Kiffin, 2020. Of course, that was still Gus Malzahn. They hosted Auburn. They lost 35-28. 2021. It was probably the biggest win of Brian Harson's tenure uh, in Auburn. Auburn won that game 31 to 20. Hard to believe Auburn was 18th in the country at that time. Ole Miss was 10th. And then in 2022, this is kind of a warning sign for Ole Miss because right after this is when they lost the 4 of 5. 48 to 34, Auburn put up a lot of points in that game. It was a track meet. It was it was questionable until the end. So they Auburn's won two of those three, and the one they lost, they absolutely should have lost, but they went to Oxford and, and played more respectable than I think was thought at the time. So that's not even a gimme. And then A&M. So I just, when we talk about A&M here in a couple days, it is going to be such a conundrum what to do with them uh, to plant your flag on, on the good side and the bad side of, of a season for A&M. Because in November, November the 4th, A&M could be like three and five or four and four. And Jimbo's halfway out the door. Is Bobby Petrino the interim what kind of craziness is going on in College Station? And then all of a sudden, Ole Miss hosting AM. Yeah, Ole Miss going to win that game. Yep. Or AM could be six and two, seven and one, and they're looking good. Their five stars did develop. Jimbo and Bobby Petrino is a marriage that is, is working out so far. And all of a sudden, that is a huge game towards the end of the year. And it's before you play Georgia. So it's not like you, don't, you can rest the next week because then you got Georgia in Athens. Uh, if it was at Oxford, feel better about a chance but in athens nope not gonna happen so look their their situation is i unfortunately think they've got kind of a low ceiling for what they are uh and their floor is a little lower i just think that ole miss could be a pretty good team but they're going to be forced with situational football this year and this is what brooks was talking about do you get fourth and two at your own 40 do you get fourth and one at the 33 when you could try the 48 49 yard field goal uh, are you good in the red zone? There's been years. There was a, I think it was one of the Bama games that they were pretty bad in the red zone. They actually got to the red zone four or five times, didn't score a touchdown, but like one of them. Uh, so it wasn't yards. It was, again, situational football. That will dictate this offense. I have another number for you, and that is offensive defensive ranking last year, just by points per game. Nothing innovative here, nothing unbelievable. They were 57th in defense, 25 and a half points a game. I don't hate that. It's obviously not great. They're bringing in Pete Golding. Who knows how that will work? Pete Golding did not do a great job, in my opinion, at Alabama. And so is he actually a good defense coordinator? We'll find out. 
But 57th on, on face value for Ole Miss when it was like 105th or something in Lane Kiffin's first year, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's I, I'm not talking you into it's awesome. Again, I realize it's the middle of the country. But again, I don't hate it. It didn't make them lose a lot of games. But offensively, if you were to ask, if I were to ask you where would Ole Miss ranked offensively, points per game, where would you go? I just just out of curiosity, where would you assume Lane Kiffin offense Ole Miss would be? Like last year, you're talking yeah. about um, in the country. Where should it be? Where yeah, should it be country, top twenty five? Yeah. Okay. See, I you know I, I'm thinking a Lane Kiffin offense uh, country wise. I'm I'm thinking actually top fifteen. You sure. just think more yeah. top fifteen type offense. That's where I would have thought too. And I think that's what you should expect. And even hovering towards 10. It was 29th. Oh, wow. So not awful, but at 33 and a half points a game, 29th. That's not an elite offense. It's good offense. Sure. Not, certainly not elite, though. Well, now, is, and does that also lead you part of to the wondering of at the quarterback position? Exactly. Is yeah. Jackson Dart really the guy that they think can get them to that next level? Because we had him last year. We've got we've got Judkins, we've got these other guys. It's like Dadgummit Jackson. It's like, you know, we've got to do better on offense than this. Yes. So we're gonna bring in Spencer Sanders, maybe to put a little pressure on you. And if you can't get it done, then we've got this guy from Oklahoma State that may show enough to be able to come in here right. and get the job and, done. And that's why the doors open, because again, those situations they didn't execute well in the points per game at twenty nine. And he did throw double digit interceptions last year right. through eleven, which that's a lot in the college game. That's not awful for a sixteen, seventeen game NFL season. Sure. But in the college game one it's per a game's a lot. Yeah. Uh and so that is why there's competition there, and they were right to, to at least make a competition. We'll see what happens with it. But, again, I think the situations, that's a part of the offense. They'll get their yards. They're going to go as fast as they can. They will make some fourth downs. They will frustrate you at times defensively. Hmm. But can they the – Analytics book. Can In five red zone trips, can they get five touchdowns? In five fourth down opportunities, can they go at least four or five? Because guess what? You, say, you hear five and you say, oh, well, they must be trailing. No. <laughs> they'll, they'll go fourth two at their own 50 up seven they'll do it don't you think they won't so four to five fourth downs a game is what they do so are they four or five or are they two or five it's a big it's a big difference for them yeah. uh and, and so the last point i'll make is wide receivers you always wonder about that if you're a passing offense you're dynamic we know quinshaw judkins is good he will run well so quarterbacks, we've talked about that battle. So now wide receivers, because that's going to be important here at Auburn this year. Is kid Auburn land? Did they land a couple of real difference makers on wide receiver, or the guys that are returning? They're going to be the main guys for Ole Miss. They lost their top two wide receivers, Jonathan Mingo, mm-hmm. uh, who was selected by the Panthers in the NFL draft, and Malik Heath, who was actually their leading receiver. Now here's the good news for Ole Miss: they brought in two really quality transfers. Their number two wide receiver, Trey Harris, out of Law Tech. 935 yards on 65 catches, 10 TDs last year. Solid wide receiver. But I think Ole Miss fans would be even more excited about the kid out of UTSA, Zachary Franklin, that they got. A 1,000-yard receiver each of the last two years with double-digit touchdowns. 81 catches, 1,027 yards, 12 TDs in 2021. 93 receptions, 1,137 yards, 15 TDs last year for a UTSA program that ended up winning Conference USA and ending up around the top 25. So I think their wide receivers will still be good. Uh, I think they'll still be fine there. It is that quarterback room. It is that situational football. They've got multiple offensive linemen back. 
I think it's just about uh, about those fourth and twos, fourth and ones, about the that, red zone. It's those, that analytic book. Yep. If uh, Does it work? Does it not? Yeah, maybe, maybe if he just throws the analytics out and takes some field goals here and there. We'll see. I don't know. I I will say this from a neutral perspective. If, if from a neutral perspective, I love it because I think it's different. It's gutsy. It is the kid in me that always went for it on fourth down on the video games. Oh, yeah. Like uh, like just as a neutral fan of the game of football, I'm all about it. I think it's absurd at times, and I love it. If he had been the Auburn coach, or if I had a vested interest in Lane Kiffin, then I would be hair. You know problematic by the end of the, each season uh there would be bosley commercials that would appeal to me uh there, there would there would be problems because it, there there are some decisions that are just hard to justify i will i will i will put it that way there are some of those fourth down calls that are, are very rough uh but that's a part of the lane kiffin package it's part of the experience and look hey Ole miss at the end of the day 10 and 3 and 8 and 5 in the last two seasons at face value Look, that's above average for them. And, again, back to the point I made yesterday with Arkansas. You are about to fall two more ladders down or rungs down in the SEC packing order once Oklahoma and Texas get here. Again, maybe not in individual year success right now, depending on what Oklahoma does in year two of Venables and Texas. Are they back? No, they're not. Are they back? No, they're not. But historically speaking, Texas and Oklahoma will get the recruits that Ole Miss dreams about. Texas and Oklahoma will find their way to the top eventually. Ole Miss is not guaranteed that. If you want to slow that process or try and slow that trend, slow history down, Ole Miss needs a good year. They need that positive momentum as Oklahoma and Texas join the league. One final timeout, and then we'll be back to wrap up the show and a nightly TV guide right after this. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger The sports call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here. Last couple minutes of the show for the day. It's been a uh, fun show. No more rain came, guys. Uh, we're looking at a season finale here in less than an hour. Watch out. Uh, time to cluck up. <laughs> I know. I'm, uh, I don't want to get nervous about it because that's maybe a little too much. I'll but do it. uh, well, I, it's a great opportunity tonight. Tonight is a great opportunity for the Thunder Chickens to make history. Yes, it is. And you know, the the bad thing, I've, I've been thinking about this this week, thinking about the game. Oh, yeah. And I thought about it a couple a few weeks ago, and we, we thought we had another opportunity to, to make said history. We're going to look like a bunch of jerks celebrating. 
Yeah. Act like you've been there before. We been, never have. Because it's been so long. Like, it's, getting, it's been what? We've been doing this for, what, three years yep, now? That's our third year. Haven't a fi- we've, we have a win on the books. Yep. Just let, An official record. On the official record, there is a win, but it is a forfeit yes, win. So is. we have not actually gotten to celebrate a win. This is the 70s Buccaneers. But what it is. If, if it were to happen, at this point, if it's not in the playoffs, we just look like a bunch of jerks out there celebrating. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I, I just don't count our chickens before they. Absolutely not. We're not doing that. I just think we have an opportunity. And we I'm had a, because we that. had a golden opportunity we had, earlier. Yeah, we had this. a golden egg that we laid. Yeah. Earlier this year, so you just never know. Final minute or two of the program. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Brooks, what we got? Yeah, well, tonight, I'll give you a movie pick. Just one, though, because there's some there's some sports on for you. 6 o'clock on Showtime 2, not the first one, the second one, Showtime 2, Forrest Gump, starring Tom Hanks. Great movie. Awesome movie. One of my favorite movies Excellent. of all time. One of my favorite actors of all time. I would say that you're the you think he, favorite. He, would you say he's surpassed Harrison Ford? I think so for you. You all, I, I will tell you, you you might like Harrison Ford's individual roles a little bit more. Yeah, but I don't know. Are you at the point where Harrison Ford's in a movie you watch it automatically? Because I know I know you're at that with Tom. You Hanks. know, you will watch anything Tom Hanks is in. It it's not. There's not the urgency there. I, yeah. I would say there's more urgency to see stuff that Tom Hanks is in than, than like it is when when Harrison he was Ford in stuff. Age of Adeline, where you just like I need this right now. Well, maybe because of Blake Lively. Yeah, but, maybe. But, but otherwise, you would have just been like, eh, you know, yeah, fine. Yeah. Ne- next time I do one of the Wacky Wednesday uh, Truth Stra- uh, Stranger Than Fiction type deals, you remember I did the whole story about Harrison Ford. Yes. That back- maybe I need to try to see if I can't find one about Tom Hanks. That'd be fun. That'd be, he would be down. That would be, would be I'd, down. Be, I'd be here for it. Uh, sports for you this evening. Uh, uh, around the world of sports, a lot of stuff. 6 o'clock on ESPN. Little League Baseball continues. We're leading up to the World Series, getting started next Wednesday up in Williamsport. The regionals are going on right now, so you'll have some tonight at 6, and then follow that up at 8 on ESPN. Also on ESPN Dose, you got Little League Softball World Series getting underway this week. Uh, it's on right now in our studio, Italy taking on Oregon. You'll have more action tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, also, in the world of baseball, 6 o'clock on TBS, the Houston Astros visit the red-hot Baltimore Orioles. Uh, on the field, they're red-hot. Off the field, they're not. No. Uh, and then, of course, later on tonight on FS1 at 7 o'clock and then at 9 o'clock, you've got Liga's Cup action once again uh, continuing all night. The in-season tournament between Liga MX and MLS continues. It's been fun to watch if, if you haven't tuned in. If you're a soccer fan, it's been fun to watch. Also, the Braves back in action tonight. Need to get back on track. Uh, they, they do need to get back on track. 6.05 on Bally Sports South. The Braves and the Pittsburgh Pirates, the second of four from the Steel City as the Braves look to bounce back. They're on a three-game skid. Try to get back on the winning ways tonight. And that is your Nightly TV Guy brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks. And uh, thank you very much for being on the show today. We'll see you out in the ballpark here in a few minutes and uh, see you on the show a little bit later this week. See you then. Tom, thank you for being here today. I'll see you out in the field in a few minutes, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again tomorrow on the show as well. Absolutely. Cluck up. Absolutely. That will do it for the show today. Again, we appreciate all those that tune in and called in. For Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LeBoy. Have a great Tuesday night. Cluck up, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.